Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Gap Church. My name is David Oladara-Potusan. I am one of the leaders here, and I have an um, amazing privilege of sharing a word um, this afternoon as we are in a new series called Code Blue. Amen? Code Blue. Um, this is a revival series that we have here at the Gap Church. And um, this is something that I believe in 2023, we've heard so much about this word, revival. Am I right? We've heard a lot about it. I mean, we've known about revival since probably Sunday school and since we were kids, but this is a, a season that we've been hearing it more and more and more and more, and I don't think it's by mistake. And so this series is going to really focus on revival, amen? I implore you to not miss a single week of this series. If you cannot make it, tune in online. Um, stay connected because I believe that there's going to be a lot of things that are going to try and take you out of this presence. Take you out of seeing and hearing about what it really means to be revived. Amen. So let's hop right into it. I don't want to waste too much time because time is already far spent. Um, I'm going to be defining a bit of things, and then we'll get into the meat of everything. And so, revival, revival, code blue, a series on revival. So what is revival? I have three definitions here. What is revival? Revival is an improvement in the condition, strength, or strength of something. Revival is an instance of something becoming popular, active, or important again. The brand was revived. Number three, Revival is a restoration to bodily or mental vigor, to life or consciousness, or to sporting success. I want to first off give um, understanding to some misconceptions about revival. Um, Number one, revival is not a place. Revival is not a place. Acts 1.8, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me, not just in Jerusalem, but in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. It's not just in one place. Number two, revival doesn't just happen once. We see in the life of David, uh, Bissola prayed about this earlier, that after David had slept with Bathsheba and done all the mess he had done, one of his praises that revive me, O Lord, revive me again. It's possible to be revived multiple times. So it's not just a one-time occurrence. Number three, and this ties to number one, revival is not an event. Revival can happen in an event, but it's not an event. Uh, When we look at the scripture of Luke 24, 49, it says, I'm sending you what my father promised. Wait here in the city until you receive power from heaven. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. Jesus was giving an instruction to the disciples and so happened there was an experience of revival there. Revival is not an event. Number four, revival is not speaking in tongues, amazing worship, and amazing word. At the end of the day, we have to understand that God looks at the heart, man looks at appearance. So it's possible to be in a room where all of these things are happening and revival may not be happening. As Bisola said earlier, revival is a a decision within the heart. I want to break all confusion and let everyone know that revival is a person. His name is Jesus. 
the greatest revival we've ever seen in history is the revival of God reviving mankind. From the moment Adam and Eve sinned, the revival process began. John 14, 5, 7 says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how can we know the way? Verse 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. So when we're in a revival season, it's for us to see Jesus. Nothing else. If we miss Jesus, we've missed everything. Moving on. I want us to open our Bibles to 1 Samuel 3, 1 to 4. 1 Samuel 3, 1 to 4. I've referenced this scripture multiple times in the past, but um, as I began to prepare for this week one, I believe that God brought the scripture back to me. 1 Samuel 3, 1 to 4. Thank you, media team. It says, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation, verse 2. And it came to pass at that time, while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. Verse 3. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was laying down, verse 4, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. If you're taking notes, the title of this short message is, Revival starts on the deathbed. Revival starts on the deathbed. I'll expand on that later. Real quick, this scripture, if you study it, it gives you insight on when you see revival. There's so many points in this first Samuel scripture that you tend to see and you start to see this is when revival comes in. And so I have a list of four things that were indicators and have seen as indicators throughout scripture of when God has revival come in, when there's a revival that comes. Number one, when do we see revival? Number one, when the word of the Lord becomes rare. When there may be a lack of revelation and when God has gone, quote unquote, quiet. We see this in scripture in 1 Samuel. We see that it says in verse one, now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. We also see this as, uh, uh, to theologians, there was about 400 years between Malachi and John the Baptist. 400 years of, of, of quietness, of silence. Number two, when do we see revival? We see revival when the generation that God has moved through before may be fading away. We see this in scripture, in this same scripture, 1 Samuel 3. Verse 2, it says, and it came to pass at the time while Eli was lying down in his place, when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. If you look in the next scripture, you see that when Eli passed away, it, the Bible describes him as 98 years old, having served Israel for 40 years, and uh, described as being a little bit on the heavy set side. So we tend to see revival come in when the greats that have done so much before are fading away. If you want to reference the Azusa revival that happens in the 1900s, we see out of the Azusa revival birthed the Billy Grahams and the Oral Roberts. And I, I see a trend now that a lot of the greats have been passing away in the past two years. We had Andy Stanley that passed away last week. So there's people that have been passing away, and I believe that God is ready for the next wave. Amen? Amen. Number three, 
We see revival when there is a lack of restraint and mass complacency to the warnings of God. When there is a lack of restraint and mass complacency to the warnings of God. If you go to scripture, I want us to just go very briefly. 1 Samuel 3.11. 1 Samuel 3.11. This is what God had told uh, Samuel. He said, behold, I will do something. Oh, it went away. There we go. Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Verse 12. Verse 12. There we go. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. Verse 13. Here's the key part. For I have told him that I will judge him, judge his house forever, for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. We see this in the, in, in the story of Noah. When the earth, excuse me, got to a place where there was so much evil, the warnings have been there, and God said, yeah, we got to wipe this whole place. When there is complete disregard for the warnings of God and so much complacency, you know that there's a new wave coming. I want to even quote what the Lord says. Go back to verse 12. Whenever you see a circumstance like this where people are literally not even caring about what God is saying and ignoring the warnings, go to verse 12. Verse 12. Verse 11, my bad. Verse 11. This is the time that we see something like this where it says, Behold, I will do something in Israel which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In circumstances like this, this is when we see God do things that has everyone on alert. When do we see revival? Number four. We see revival when the mantles of the old potentially may or have been dropped. We see in the scripture of Elijah, the story of Elijah, the moment that God realized or the moment that God sensed that there was a quitting, the moment that God sensed that there may be a dropping of assignment, he appointed someone else. You see, we tend to see revival as well when, we, when God already can tell that someone is about to drop the mantles. And there's so many dropped mantles that have not been acquired yet. And so there's many people who are looking at me, y'all, that are looking at me, that there's many mantles that God is assigning your name to. So this is sometimes, this is kind of when we tend to see revival. And so why is the title of this message that revival starts on the deathbed? You see, revival starts with the people who can admit that I'm dying. You cannot call it revival if you do not need to be revived. That's where we've got to mess up in our generation. If you want to say, I want revival, admit that you're cold. If you want to say, I need revival, admit that you're far off. The thing is that we are so focused and so comfortable with saying revival, revival, but we don't want to admit that we're so far off, that we're so lukewarm. When I look at the scripture of the story of Eli, when God is passing judgment uh, towards Eli, we see a man who could not recognize that he was on his deathbed. Not necessarily literally, but spiritually. His eyes dim. His son's doing all sorts of things with God's sacrifice. He could not acknowledge that I may just me on the deathbed. There needs to be revival. And what God says is that you knew about it, but you still didn't do anything about it. I'm speaking to a generation right now. I'm speaking to some people that know that you're cold, but you're not doing anything about it. 
that you've deceived yourself so much to the point that you are okay with limping through life. When God is saying, if you just admit that you're injured, that you're dying, that you would come to me and get revived. We see this in scripture as well. In Jonah 3, 4 to 5, Jonah 3, 4 to 5, I'm sure we all know the story of Jonah. Jonah 3, 4 to 5. It says, Jonah started through the city, he's talking to Nineveh, and after walking a whole day, he proclaimed in the city, in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. Verse 5. The people of Nineveh believed God's message. They believed God's message. So they decided that everyone should fast, and all the people from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth to show that they had repented. You see, the people of Nineveh realized that we are on the deathbed. If we don't do something quickly, we will be destroyed. Many of us, God has spoken once, and you've heard his echo already. You've heard his echo already. He's been telling you, one more chance, and that's it. You see, the biggest part of revival is acknowledging that you're not where you want to be. The biggest part of revival is acknowledging that the hunger that you had for God is not there anymore. I know that's a hard thing to say. Revival starts when you can say, I know I used to pray more back then. When I would come into service, I could, I could visibly feel the spirit of God working within me in the room. I could hear the spirit of God as I walked through my days. What has happened? Many of us, we've become so numb that we can't even ask what has happened. This is why revival starts on the deathbed. Because if you come into terms and come to agreements that you are cold, you are ready to be revived. Unfortunately, many of us, if we're not careful, it will take us to the point that something bad happens so seriously that we have to forcibly end up on the deathbed. It's not until you realize that when you're walking through the mall that, dang, I, I need to work out. Man, this is, these stairs is crazy. Unfortunately for many of us, we already had the signs. We already had everything that has told us it's time to get revived. The biggest thing for our generation that we struggle with is the art of deception. That we deceive ourselves so much into thinking that we're so comfortable that God understands us. And every time we feed into that lie, we go further and further and further and further away from the hospital bed. Some of us need to admit to ourselves that, you know what, it's true. Back then when I was masturbating, I felt something bad, but I don't feel something anymore. It's true. When I would have sexual relations with my boyfriend or girlfriend, I used to be so sad, but now I don't even care anymore. Some of us need to get so honest with ourselves and tell ourselves that, do I even love God anymore? That is where revival starts. The problem with many of us is that we want that to come at the end of revival. Because if we get God to fix us and make us whole, then we can come on the stage and give a testimony. Hey, guys, so I have a testimony. You know, for the past six, seven, eight months, you know, I've been dealing with this sin. And, you know, God broke me up, broke me out, you know, about three months ago. 
We want the whole situation to be finalized and finished. We want God to do the spiritual surgery, perfect us, and then we come out and give the testimony. But trust me, if you do it that way, you're still sick. You can go to the hospital when you have a cough, and they can give you some medicine for 14, 15 days. But guess what? At some point, if you never really treat it well, you're going to be back. I love this scripture because I believe that it goes so well with understanding that revival starts with people that can admit that I may be dying. 2 Chronicles 7.14, 2 Chronicles 7.14, many of us may know the scripture. 2 Chronicles 7.14. It says, if my people who are called by my name and humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What's so important about the scripture that I love is that it gives us an understanding of a strategy of what revival may look like. But many of us know that we're called. Many of us can't actually humble ourselves. We can pray and seek God, but we can't turn from our wicked ways. We, 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 we enjoy the sensation of being spit out because we're so lukewarm. We've made it a spectacle now. We can't turn from our wicked ways. And that's why we have to be the generation that understands is that if we want revival, admit that you're cold. Bisola prayed this earlier and she was saying that when it comes to revival, it starts with a conviction. That conviction is so key. It's so key. If you don't have that conviction, then you're just a part of a spiritual high. If you don't have that conviction, you're not going to leave changed. That's why I love the story of David. And Bisola, I read from the scripture earlier when she was praying. You see, after David had slept with Bathsheba and impregnated her and, you know, killed her husband, he came back to God, Psalm 51, 10 to 12. Psalm 51, 10 to 12. And he acknowledged that he was on the deathbed. He acknowledged that he was so far from God. It says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Many of us reference the scripture and we don't even know what we're talking about. This is a man, a man that is saying this is a man that has understood he's nothing. That he's so far, that he's so far from God that he can manipulate a situation that he impregnates a woman that is married and kills her husband on the front lines. Some of us need to look at ourselves for what we are. Go in the mirror and say, I am not who I think I am. I've been putting on a mask. I'm really that filthy. That is where deception starts. If you cannot look in the mirror and say, I struggle with lust. I struggle with this thing. I'm so far from God. I said I was going to skip a few days of prayer, but I've skipped the past seven months. I'm so cold. Is my light even shining anymore? It's okay to admit to yourself these things because the moment you admit to yourself these things is the moment you're coming into an understanding that God I need to be revived very quickly as I close I want to give us an understanding because this is just the introduction for this series but this is what happens during revival six things what happens during revival number one repentance 
Number two, there's a refocus and a discarding of idols. Number three, there's a tearing process and a weight process. Number four, there's the outpouring and the power. Number five, there's the commissioning. And number six, there's a call to sustain that revival. Before I close, I want to just say that let's not think about revival on such a massive stance of church, church, church. At the end of the day, we are the church. So revival can happen here. That's why revival is not a place or an event. Because in your secret place, you can pray and say, God, revive this heart of mine. Help me to see you and only you again. Renew in me your salvation, God. Renew that joy of your salvation, O oh God. Amen. We have to get to that place where we stop giving ourselves excuses and thinking that revival only occurs in big services, in churches. Great, we can create the atmosphere, but our goal is not always going to be revival. God's going to do whatever he wants to do. But the truth is this. That process of what happens during revival, it didn't say that David was in a nice sanctuary with lights, with a nice five, six-piece band. This was just a cry from David to God. And so, my biggest thing for us in this series that I want us to make sure, number one, we don't miss a week. Number two, we do a deep reflection. Deep reflection. You will not get anything out of this series if you cannot admit to yourself that there's some areas of you that are not where they're supposed to be. And that's a sugar coat that I just said. Some areas of my life are not where they're supposed to be. Many of us were going to have to come into terms and say, yeah, I'm lukewarm. Yeah, I'm on my way to hell. You're saying, ah, but that's the reality. <clears throat> that's it. We have to be a people that can admit and say, God, I'm not where I need to be. I'm wrong. Show God your real self. When you pray to him now, let him know the real you. Yes, God, I've been sleeping around. Please help me. Revive this heart. Don't go to God because you want to feel good again. Don't go to God because you want an affirmation that he still sees me. All right. Go to God because you say, God, I need you. Jesus Christ, I need you and you alone. Nothing else. God, give me the burning passion that I had to boldly raise my hand in a service and say, I want to follow you. Give me that burning passion. Give me that hunger. Give me that hunger that I once had that said, you know what? I will go through the streets and proclaim his name. The hunger that says, you know what? Today I'm going to try 30 minutes in a secret place. Tomorrow I'm going to try an hour. For some of us, we're going to have to pray, God, give me your love again. I'm so snappy now. I'm not tolerant. I've canceled everyone in my life. I look at the worst in people. Help me to see people the way you see them. For some of us, in this series, we're going to have a reviving of gifts. Dormant gifts will be revived in this season. Dormant mantles that are sitting in your secret place. This is a series if you just assert yourself, but it starts with you saying that, yes, I am on the deathbed. 
Let's close our eyes. Even with everything I've said, and of course the first stage to revival is repentance, there's also another step even before that, and that is coming into relationship with Christ. Whether you're online or you're in person, I want to give you this opportunity because this step is so important. Maybe you've had a relationship with him and, and we're now in this series. This is the first step of admitting that, yes, I'm on the deathbed. Yes, the relationship is not the same. And so as we say this prayer together, as we say this declaration, I want you not to just say it, but to mean it. Speak it to your father. Let's say this together. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Help me to know you better. As I accept you today, take over my heart and dwell in me. Forgive me of my old ways and help me to change to the person that you want me to be. I love you, Lord, and I proclaim that you are my God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's keep our eyes closed just very briefly. If that was you and you said that prayer here in this room, I just want you to boldly raise your hand up. This is not the time to be very uh, 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 um, unbold. You have to, to, to recognize and say, I want to be in relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're online, just text SAVED. Um, text SAVED to the chat. Thank you right there. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. And just even as your hands are raised, I just want to pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, God, I want to say thank you, God, for your children for your children, Heavenly Father God, that are making this decision, Almighty Father God, whether in person or online, Heavenly Father God, I pray, Lord, that this journey is not the easiest, God. So I pray that you walk with them every single step that they take, Almighty Father God. I pray, Lord, that even as they go on this journey of revival, God, and getting to know you more, the storms may come, Heavenly Father God. Things may come and try and remind them of their past. Shame may come, Heavenly Father God. But we ask, Lord, that you silence every voice of shame, that you silence, Heavenly Father, every accuser, God, upon their life, Heavenly Father God. We pray, Lord, in the depths of everything that they're doing, Heavenly Father God, in this walk, God, you will comfort them and manifest yourself to them, Heavenly Father God. God, we glorify your name and we say thank you. We know that you are rejoicing and the angels are rejoicing in heaven, God. And we join that rejoicing, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Can we just make some noise for God and for those that are giving their life to Thank God? you for tuning in to the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Again, text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.